Hi, I'm Kenna Danielle, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Welcome to the Legal Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl. We are here today every Tuesday. We're here as well from 12 to 1 p.m. on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1. You can reach out to us with questions. Tony and I are both uh, Texas licensed attorneys, and we're here to fill that gap and, and reach out to you, connect with you over the air to answer your legal questions. We know that the legal system is uh, scary. And so we want to reach out to you and let you know that there's someone here that you can talk to and answer your questions. You can send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. And you can also voicemail us at 281-529-5862. And you can check out our website at legalconnectionshow.com. So, having said all that, today we are going to be talking about lease agreements and evictions. Tony and I both feel like that's something that's of interest to so many people. So many people are in situations where they're uh, leasing, renting their uh, place that they live, or if not, maybe you're leasing a commercial spot. I know Dick here probably leases this facility for our radio show, and um so it's it's just a it's a universally or statewide countrywide uh, issue, and so that's what we want to be talking about today. So um, we'll come back after the break, and um, we'll start talking about lease agreements and evictions. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl. Today we're talking about lease agreements and evictions. Uh, okay, so what is a lease? A lease is a legally binding document, right? And uh, that usually has to do with more than 12 months, okay? Rentals, Dick, I want to talk to you. I don't know if you're aware. I'm here. Okay, good to see you. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but rentals usually have to do with month to month and uh, leases are a year or longer did you know that tony uh, that leases are well leases are not necessarily a year longer leases can be one week but they have to be in writing if they're a year longer right but typically they're for a year or more and that's why we call it lease and uh but they are in writing. Well, I don't know about that. I mean maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you could lease something for a day and it's still going to be a lease. Yeah, or you but, could rent it. But I just know that with the uh, you have to have uh, anything over a year that has to do with real estate has to be in writing. And right. a very good rule of thumb is anytime 
you're leasing real property in particular, mm-hmm. get it in writing because because you're dealing with it's impossible to get. There's always some argument. Uh, ultimately, if the rent's not paid or the people won't leave or you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend or a family member in this property, you know, talking about residential leases and even commercial ones. And um, in order to get rid of them, it's much easier when you go to your JP court to do the eviction process. Right. If you've got it in writing. Right. So much easier, a lot faster, a lot cheaper. Okay. So when someone agrees to rent or lease a property, they sign a lease or a rental agreement. And that agreement outlines the terms that that document outlines the terms of the agreement. It's a legally binding contract. And um, it's also governed in that the terms of that contract are, they, they're come up with by individuals and they're also governed by state law. Oh, the Texas Property Code. Yes. And, but there's, a, within that Texas Property Code, there's a provision, and I don't remember the exact provision, but the lease, uh, and this goes for just contract law, the lease will prevail over the Texas Property Code unless it's illegal uh, in most cases. And I say that because there's a few exceptions, and that's with regard to what a landlord, uh, what rights they have to lock you out. But those mm-hmm. things are, there's, there's certain specific things in the code that won't prevail, but for the most part, your contract will prevail those provisions over the Texas property code. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some provisions are not enforceable, like you were just saying. Um, like if, if, for example, the landlord has the right in the lease to enter the property at any time without notice. That is not enforceable. Right. There's three, and I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, there's three uh, specific reasons that a landlord can lock you out. Uh, and it, it, your lease will not, uh, your, no matter what the lease says, it can't override these particular things. In other words, it's very pro-tenant. It really is. The landlord cannot come in and lock you out. They can't take your door off and various other things. But I know they can lock you out if it's for um, like an emergency, like if the, if you're in an apartment complex and there is a plumbing issue or if they're fixing something, then they can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, I, let me actually look at the law on that because I don't but, want to speak But what term. they can't do is they can't have in the lease that they can come in any time, day or night without notice. And also they can't have something in the lease that says the tenant pays for all the damages no matter what happens. Now, is that, what is, what, where is that in the property code? Uh, it's just there because I don't um, have the exact provision because I did. I, I've, you know, I've done quite a few commercial leases and I'm a real estate broker. So I've done quite a few residential leases mm-hmm. and there are going to be many people out there that, you know, do this day in and day out. And of course we don't, we're trial attorneys. And uh, if you, we have a case on it, that's going to, you know, uh, be something where we've really focused on a particular element, uh, whether or not it's material or what have you, but um, you know, whether or not the eviction is going to be for material uh, breach or a rental breach or, or whatever that is. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But um, but as far as uh, lockouts for commercial and residential, it's kind of different. We're going to get into that in a little right. bit. But I'm going to ask our, our station manager, uh, Dick here, uh, what when you hear the word eviction, what comes to mind? I would say it's, uh, you have to basically everything that you, you have to leave the property. <laughs> Everything that's yours, anything that you've done or whatever you want to, you have to take and get out. Now, have you ever um, been involved on either side of an eviction, whether you're the landlord getting rid of somebody or somebody's asked you to leave? No, never. Wow. Well, then you're good a good for guy. You. What a great you, citizen. That means you honor your, um, your contracts that you make with people because mm-hmm. eviction, sometimes either side can be at fault. The landlord could be evicting you improperly. Or you could be the tenant that's just not a very good tenant. And that kind of goes toward the um, sort of uh, what even brought me to think that this would be a good idea for our topic today. And that was that today's the Feast of St. Joseph. And he took care of, you know, um, he was Jesus' foster father. And, and he took care of Mary and Jesus. And, and they just had a little home. And then uh, they had to leave because of the, the whole, you know, I think it was Herod deal and killing kids, and they went right. to Egypt for a while and stuff. And for some reason, it just yeah. made me think of evictions and how um, I was reading, I don't know how to pronounce it, you know better than me, Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastical? Yes, I was reading that, and I was uh, talking about the vanities of vanities right. and how everything you own um, is goes toward vanity, and, that, and nothing we own is really ours because it's like dust to dust. That's Ecclesiastes, right. Okay, and I never can pronounce it. I can see it. Um, and it just made me think about how people— shouldn't um, rent 
So people should have read things that are, somebody was knocking on the wall. It was like, Did yes. Calm down over there. I was like, God, was that? God, I, am I saying it right? <laughs> it's ecclesiastical. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl, for, for clearing that up for me. I didn't mean to mispronounce. Right. Um, but anyway, the, um, the, uh, I was thinking that people need to stay within their, their monetary limits of what they can afford because you don't need to impress other people. It's really just take care of your family work hard. You know, it's a feast of St. Joseph. This is what it's all about. So, um, so we should. I guess they're hanging something. I, guess. <laughs> I, I think well, it's a picture. Okay. At least it's not a divine, you know, message. <laughs> Ecclesiastical. Yes. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, so that's why I was, we were uh, going to talk about eviction. Exactly. Today. You, if you enter into a lease agreement, make sure that you can keep it, that it's not a, like you were saying, that you're being responsible with the commitments that you make and the contracts that you make. And I've had so many questions, like as in the in the past week over evictions and leases because it's the end of the month. Today's May 1st. Right, right. And uh, of course, my daughter uh, just moved out, just graduated from A&M. So Yay. we moved her out and she was trying to release her property, but her lease didn't end until August. So there was an issue about that. Right. And then I had another client who um, actually had a property and uh, he can't, he, he went through the eviction process properly without an attorney and did very right, well, right. Uh, but she won't leave. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that process and what she did. So there's the standpoint of a person that's doing everything right, but just has to leave the lease early. Mm-hmm. The standpoint of the, the tenant that has worked the system over and over and knows how to stay in a property without paying rent because they've been evicted a number of times. I've had, I've dealt with some people like that. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess I'll kind of break in without kind of going off of a, a schedule or, a, a, you know, a going on in the line of discussion here of what I want to talk about. But if you are a landlord and you're a new landlord, and I have a lot of friends right now that are doing flip-flops and they're buying properties. It's really uh, the city of Conroe and the Montgomery County area is booming it right really now. Is. Everybody, it's exciting. It's ex- very exciting, and it's so much fun for entrepreneurs. And people are picking up properties right and left at tax sales, and right. and flipping them just mm-hmm. like you know they're the the go to Joanna and what is his name? Oh, and Chip, Chip guy. and Joanna, and that couple creating the cutest little properties you've I ever seen. It just mm-hmm. makes me want to do that, but there's just not enough time in life to do everything. Um, and but they've got they had some issues with some people moving in, um, and it wasn't just their their. They're, uh, the people moving in were having issues with some of the, the repairs that they had done on these new properties. And uh, so they had some questions about when we get them in there, how do we, we I guess, uh, glean through and make sure that we properly vetted them. Uh, and so very, very important, just a word to the wise, the people that are new renters, or maybe somebody, you've moved out of your house and wanted to keep it and just find a new one. Before someone moves into your property, whether it be commercial or residential, the vetting process is critical. Don't believe for a second that that just by looking at somebody that they can be believed. You'd like to believe that, but that's not how people are. Right. They may have the best of intentions and something may happen and they're going to put themselves first, even though they shouldn't. <laughs> you know, we always should look after other people first. That's not what happens. Right. People get a survival instinct and they will do whatever they can to to stay and, and maybe they've done this for a while and they're trying to get on their feet and it's a really sad sob story, but that's right. why we're talking about evictions because those sob stories may be true, but they're not enough contractually and legally to keep you in there if you're taken to court for an eviction um, unless you've got some really, really good uh, facts and the judge is kind-hearted. So those are the things that we're going to go over today. But the vetting process, be sure that you check their credit. Um, you get permission from them on a, uh, they usually have to give it to you in writing. Um, these forms are available with the Texas Real Estate Commission. Um, you can just go to their website and they have all these forms available to the public. Um, if you don't hire an attorney, I'm telling you how to do it the cut right way. Right. Um, you ask to get permission to, to run a credit check on them. Uh, this is very telling. Um, if someone doesn't have good credit, it's likely that you are not the first person they're going to pay. It's it, Historically, that will give you a very good idea of who these people are. Some people do have something bad that happens to them. And so it may hurt their credit, but you don't have bad credit unless, unless it's historically you have not paid your bills on time. And the first person not to be paid is unfortunately, unless you have a really mean landlord, the landlord, they'll, they'll kind of put it off, particularly if you're right. a lenient landlord. Right. And, um, and it can get out of hand and you, 
the eviction process goes through the uh, Justice of Peace Court. And to evict somebody, you um, will file an eviction notice with the JP Court where the property is located. And, um, you know, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about this later and more specifics. But you're going to file it with that JP Court. And the process usually takes about three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a legitimate reason for them not to be there because they've made a material breach of the lease or there has been some criminal activity and that in the lease is not allowed, the lease could allow uh, for criminal activity and that won't be a material breach. I know that sounds crazy, but some things that are criminal are not things that you get evicted for. Right. Um, there are other things. So the lease is very, very important before that's entered and what the, what as a landlord or as a tenant, be sure to look very carefully at what the provisions of that lease are. Um, Once you go to court, it could be a a five-minute eviction process. It could be an all-day eviction process. It's it's actually like a trial. But um, in JP court, you don't need an attorney unless you're a corporation. The corporation owns it. And um, people go in, and if the judge finds that the lease has been breached, um, regardless of what the story is, if the rent's not paid, and that's usually the reason, then you will be evicted. And there's going to be a process of, you leaving voluntarily or you leaving with a um, writ of possession that's executed with the help of the constable. Well, and I just want to interject here, Tony, okay. that, you know, these FEDs, these forcible entry and detainers are expedited processes. And in some JP courts, they uh, allow for mediation. So they come in, they've got right. this eviction. I mediated hundreds of these cases. Right, right. And that's they a were, better way to go. Well, it really is. And when you say it could be a five-minute process mm-hmm. or an all-day process— mm-hmm. That in, in a lot of courts today, uh, the, these JP courts, uh, it's an all-day process if the mediation doesn't work out. But if it does work out, it that you'll be there about two two hours. Well, that kind of goes back to um, resolving things pre-court. I mean, you give the person an, ev- an eviction notice, you, right. you have to, and we're going to go over what the proper way to do that is. But at that point... They, sh- they know they're behind on their rent and there should they be do. something worked out. Mm-hmm. And it could be even cheap. It could be just as cheap for the um, for the um, landlord to actually ask them to leave and even maybe help them, give them a little bit of payment. Because if you have to hire a an attorney to evict somebody, or if you do it, that's time out of your day. Right. So it could be cheaper just to say, look, I know you're having a bad time of it, Um here is it's going to be cheaper if I just give you a little bit of money if you'll just go just get them out and get them to sign something to leave. Mediation is also a very good um, alternative, uh, I guess, alternative dispute resolution. Um, if you ask them to leave, though, that's the best. That's the cheapest. If they and ask them to leave, go somewhere else. The next step would be just offer them some money to see if you can negotiate without mediation. The next step would be, I think, mediation to get them out. But then the next step is the three day notice. Ask them to um, to leave, and then you'll have to go forward with the um, eviction. Right, and then you end up in court. Yeah, at JP Court. Mm-hmm. But at JP Court is where we did the mediations, and it was also free to the people oh. uh, that were there because the judge believed so much in it. Okay. And, I mean, I settled every case that I wow. mediated Great. except for one. And what they did was it was a situation of a, a family where the brother was homeless, and he kept coming in and sitting in the middle of their living room. They had this picture of this guy sleeping on a recliner <laughs> in the middle of the living room. And, he, and the family asked him to leave over and over. And the mom was like, no, no, don't. I don't want him to leave. He's my son. And so the brother and the dad tried to evict him. And I said, this is not where this needs to be. So they yeah. pulled it out of uh, that court and went to a family court. So that was the only one um, that I didn't Yeah, settle. but you know what? Um, you you do, you have, if, if your family member's there and they, and they're, I guess if there's if they can show that they live there for any short period of time they've resided there, that's where they call home, even if it's for a few days, you have to evict them. And that same thing goes for boyfriend and girlfriend. You they're not on the lease, but they live there. You can't just throw that new ex out right. and lock the doors. I that's an eviction. Several process. of those too. I know. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna go to break. Uh, send us your questions. If you're dealing with an eviction situation, uh, lease situation, send us your questions at questions at LegalConnectionShow.com or call us at 281-529-5862. We'll be right back. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? 
Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to the Legal Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl. Today, May 1st, we're talking about uh, lease agreements and evictions. And so Tony's been talking about eviction. She talked about um, the process and sort of what happens in JP court. And we want to go through that a little bit more in detail, the uh, eviction process and what is required. So Tony and I are going to be talking about the forcible entry and detainer or the FED and how to get it done, no matter what side you're on, if you're the landlord or you're the tenant. First of all, you have to have notice, right, Tony? Yes. And you know, um, when I first heard forcible entry and detainer, I'm like, it was just the, this, the, the whole, the word sounded so legal and so scary. Right. All that is is an eviction. That's right. just the legal term for it. So, Well, and, and doesn't it mean that that the the person who's in the property is in there illegally? They right. forced in their entry they and they're not They do not have a higher right of possession than you do. And so there's a forcible entry and, and detainer. But, um, and again, I just didn't know what that, what that actual, uh, what that actually meant. And um, it's all it is a fancy word for eviction. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, so before filing suit, the landlord has to provide the tenant with written notice. You need to leave, right? Right. Written notice. Right. It's commonly called notice to quit, okay? A landlord can evict a tenant without cause. Well, I thought that was notice to vacate, too. There's, it's just the notice, notice to vacate, notice to to leave the premises, it's that three-day, it's the three-day notice. Right. I remember in court, mm-hmm. I saw notice to quit all the time. Mm-hmm. So they have to leave. They can do it without cause. They just want to, they want to stop renting. They're, you're not under any obligation to rent or lease your property. Well, and if you change your mind. You you are if your lease terms say that. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that the lease is up right. or they're in arrears, which means they haven't paid. Well, the, the it's see from the tenant's perspective, and this happens a lot with college students, this happens a lot with everybody. If you've right. got a lease, you've entered a contract, and the contract provides that you are, a lot of times they don't say this specifically, depends on the actual lease terms, but you owe, for a certain period of time, you're going to have possession of this property that you do not have the record title to, but you can use it for whatever the term of is in that contract. As long as you pay. Right. Uh, are and you comply with the other provisions right. because there's other provisions that can also get you evicted, and are, are and also the law. But it depends on what that lease says and what the it, as it as it compares to the Texas Property Code. Well, not as it compares to that's a, a bad way to say it. Your lease is going to be the critical um, document uh, of the rules that you must live by in order to stay in someone else's property. The right. Texas Property Code guides it, and there are several provisions in within the Texas Property Code relative to evictions that will override the lease uh, because it's in the best interest of the public. But there's not that many. Usually the lease is going to prevail in almost every instance. Right. So but- you just can't pick up and and leave unless you pay the rent that's due or you have a provision that lets you, allows you to have an early termination. Right. And on the other side, you can't not pay and then be able to stay for free right. because of the terms of the lease. And so a lot of times that notice to vacate is because uh, the rent has not been paid or there has been criminal activity. I mean, or there's usually, a material breach of Which some would kind. be those things, right? Right. And, you know, usually, you know, you mentioned that you can contract to allow criminal activity, but typically... Uh, the contract, the lease says there can be no criminal activity. Well, it, it, it has to particularly, you have to look specifically at those terms because, again, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Some things are material that are not, how, how do you say this? Some things are criminal but not necessarily material, and some things are material but not necessarily, but are criminal. Uh, in other words, you will not get evicted sometimes because something is criminal. In other words, uh, for an example, a class C misdemeanor, your car doesn't have 
the right registration on it. And you've got the authority to park your car in a certain parking lot under the lease. Um, that's not going to, that won't be material to a court for an eviction because you have not paid your registration and it's sitting there in the parking lot. Right. Um, however, if you've got a big old 18 wheeler junker out there that hasn't been, you can't drive, that may be a breach. That may be a material breach of your lease and they can evict you if you don't move that 18 wheeler out of the parking space. So that's mm -hmm. how Right. Okay. Uh, notice to vacate can be conditional. So we're talking, we're still talking about notice. The landlord's got to give the tenant notice that they are in breach or. And if they don't do the three day notice properly, then they will likely lose their eviction case because per the Texas property code, that is a requirement to win an eviction case, to be successful, to get a tenant to, to leave through mm -hmm. the legal process. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, but notice to vacate can be conditional or unconditional. So conditional may mean, it may say, hey, pay me the back rent you owe me. Right. If you, you put know? that on the notice. Yeah. Stop the criminal activity. Now, um, the eviction notice. Let's talk about this. Well, before we do that, that, let's talk about okay. that. It can be unconditional. <laughs> the tenant can't do anything to avoid it. Uh, this property is condemned. You know, it's unconditional. Right. Okay. So, um, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, that's now? one example. I like that that kind of line of thought. That yeah, are you really evicting them because um, because it's condemned? I mean, would they even want to stay there if it was uninhabitable? Right. Um, you're actually putting them on notice of uh, an emergency situation if that's the case, or maybe maybe they, it was um, through a uh, what is it called when the the, the state comes in and they. They take it through eminent domain. Mm -hmm. It could be that you're in an apartment complex that the state has said, now we're going to use this to put a, a road in or a highway right, like the right. Aggie Highway. And so that, that yeah, automatically is going to prevail over your lease, eminent domain, that you, you have to leave. Now, um, so that's that's sort of an eviction, but not by means of, uh, or not by virtue of a breach. That's because higher authority, the government, has come in or because of an act of God, because of some emergency or an earthquake or whatever, like the recent Harvey flood, you right. have to leave. So it's an eviction. And I don't think that people would stay under those circumstances. And certainly no court is going to, to say, yeah, you could stay, even though it's been condemned. A, a true eviction that we're going to give you the legal remedies for is going to be one where the contract has been breached or, or maybe the contract, I mean, someone it's not an eviction if someone leaves and breaches the lease. It's an eviction when the landlord says you need to leave because there's some circumstance that has not been complied with or there's a breach. And so the eviction note, what the conditional notice, conditional or unconditional, there's a certain uh, procedure that must be followed by the Texas property code. So uh, what do you, uh, what do you, tell me about the eviction notice. What do you know about that? Well, that's what we've been talking about. They've got to give written notice. Mm -hmm. It's called notice to vacate. Mm -hmm. It can be conditional or unconditional. Uh, termination can be with cause or without cause. If it's if it's without cause, they're generally given a longer period of time, but they have to be given notice. Yes. Every time. There's no, I mean, that just makes sense, you know. Uh, there's no way someone can be expected to do something if they're not informed of what they need to do and when what their time frame to do it is. Um, well, it's, uh, I, I was kind of looking at uh, how to write a rental eviction notice, kind of the specific so that right. I don't kind of get too far from it. In Texas, an eviction notice is typically given to the tenant when his or her lease is about to end, which is a little bit weird. People usually don't. I guess they do get that notice. I mean, I remember when I rented an apartment that your lease didn't really end, and it gives them the option, the conditional option, right. to renew the lease if that wasn't already available to them, mm -hmm. if they're good tenants and what have you. But that notice is typically not going to be posted to the front door. That's going to be... Um, given to them or delivered to them or a little bit more discreetly because they haven't done anything wrong. They actually probably want to keep the working relationship. However, this is also the legal first step when it comes to evicting a tenant um, to, to give them the notice, whether or not it's because the end of the lease has happened or because they haven't paid the rent. Um, a landlord can use this notice for a tenant's failure to pay the rent or if the tenant has violated the terms of the lease or rental agreement. An eviction notice can also be used in instances wherein the rental agreement has expired but the tenant has not left the property. They're holdover tenants. Right. Um, if a landlord has rented a property on a month-to-month -month basis and would like to end the tenant's lease, the notice is also a step to terminate it if they want to change the terms of the lease. Mm -hmm. So the notice is very, very important. Um, so how do we write as a landlord an eviction notice? And as a tenant, what do you expect to receive if you want to contest it? Well, an eviction notice must always include a few important details such as the property, 
the location of the property. Um, the uh, it must it must show uh, uh, the the landlord the property they were to, the landlord is referring to uh, the tenant the tenant that the notice is addressed to specifically who is addressed to. I mean these these eviction notices are basically just a lot of times written on a piece of paper right. that here's the property to tenant and has to have their name on it. Um, and uh, it, to be discreet, it'd be nice if it just said, and this is a law that was passed in 2016, it can just be an envelope that says important document posted to the front of the building if they want to be nicer instead of sort of, you know, in their face. Right. But if you've got a belligerent tenant, then the only way you're going to get their attention is to hand it to a person. It can be given to a person who is, 16 years of age or older that's on the premises. Mm-hmm. But the best way in court is just to stick it right there on the entry. So you can show, take a picture of it with your cell phone that you have served them with the eviction notice and it has to have that date actually on it. Right. Um, more importantly, it must answer why the landlord is pursuing the eviction and must state the breach of contract. It must also contain a grace period for the tenant to leave in accordance with Texas law, which is going to be generally three days, Okay. So the, the, the notice, um, when I've done these before, um, I've usually done them for other clients. I've typed them up, usually in big, bold print. It's usually an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. I've made sure that I've mailed it certified because they're not going to get it in three days. But then I've also tried to contact them personally first. Right. Because that's, you know, that's the nice thing to do. And then I also will post it in an envelope on the front. so They can't miss it when they go in. Now, this is a residential lease. It's a little different for commercial that the same process will apply, but with commercial, you're not, you have another remedy and that's the lockout remedy. And and I learned by experience that this is a remedy that you should use before you use any other legal remedy, provided that you absolutely um, may lock them out because they haven't paid their rent. Um, you, a landlord should not use this remedy um, uh, as a vindictive tool or a manipulative tool to get mm-hmm. higher rent or to get their tenant to pay more, to, to pay more than what's actually in their agreement, uh, because that is illegal. And the tenant has many, many um, remedies against the landlord if they do that. They certainly do. Courts don't favor that remedy. That bad behavior. Yeah. Right. So beware, bad landlord, if you try to lock out a tenant, you better have proof that they didn't comply. And that's and that's right. pretty easy to prove if they didn't pay their rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have mm-hmm. you have usually a, a, a ledger or uh, bank records or what have you or witnesses. Um, but that's a good tool because what happens is like what happened to another client of mine. Um, the uh, tenants in a commercial lease, the tenant will almost always in the, the particular uh, in a commercial lease form have the uh, a landlord's lien on the property within the. Um, that's within the, the 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 leased premises, and a lot of it may have a higher lien by the you know, by, but some, maybe they got a loan on it. And let's say it's a car. Let's say it's a car dealership. Uh, the cars may uh, have been bought from Ford, and Ford has the higher lien on it than the landlord. But the landlord can still lock the property, and then that's going to be up to the you know, then they can duke it out. But that's a very effective method of getting their attention. You haven't paid your rent. I'm locking you out. You can do it pretty much. Um, after you give them one day's notice, I'm all, you can. You don't even have to give them notice. You can just do it. But I think the right thing to do is sort of gently tell them. <laughs> by the way, uh, this is a remedy of mine and not in a mean way. But uh, you know the rent is due, and I don't like to go to that. That um, and I don't think anyone really should. It's really not the Christian thing to do. You shouldn't just use that as your tool. I'm going to lock you out. I mean, anything could have happened. It could have been a mistake. You just didn't get the rent. It, there, there's a lot of things happen. But if it's been perpetual and repetitive that they're late on the rent or haven't paid the rent, then please, if you still have that option, use the lockout remedy. Because uh, my client did not in all of their collateral, you know, a half million dollars worth of collateral went out the door. And it's really difficult to get the constables to stop that action because there's a breach of the peace. It's just really, really difficult. Right. Okay. Um, So, so we have notice. mm -hmm, And then number two is lawsuit and trial. And number three is removal from the property. Do you want to cover those? Well, I want to talk a little bit about delivering the notice because that's such an important part of um, of the actual uh, eviction process. If you don't do it right, you can lose your your eviction. You won't have a successful eviction, and you've wasted your time. Right. And you have to start over again, and then you've got like this 
and I'm, I'm looking at this like the sneaky tenant again, you know, staying in there, not paying the rent. Mm-hmm. Um, an extremely important issue is how the eviction notice is delivered. Landlords that attempt to do this themselves often tend to send the letter incorrectly, which causes the landlord to lose the eviction case. If the landlord loses the eviction case, he will have to begin the entire process again before the tenant is kicked out of the property in question. This causes a lot of frustration, wasted time, and more money down the drain. Get an eviction notice in writing and deliver it. Um, you can, unless like we just discussed before, you can give it to a person above 16 years old at the premises, put it on in the proper form with the proper substance in it uh, on the front of the entrance or on the entryway. You can mm-hmm. put it inside the entryway. You can mail it. You can send it certified. But the most effective way is to give it to them in person. Right. And if they're avoiding you, give it to somebody at least 16 years or older and get record that's of it with in your the cell premise, phone. That's on the premises. Yes, and get record of it with your cell phone so you can show that to the the judge, if you have, if you can't resolve it beforehand. Okay. All right. Great. Well, Tony and I, Tony Lynn Collins, Cheryl Ellsworth Jahani are here today talking about evictions and lease agreements and rental agreements. Uh, check us out. Give us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. And we'll be right back after the break. Thank you. Relax with a cup of joe or your favorite drink for the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce Chamber Chat. The show airs on the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Join hosts Courtney Galley and Brian Bondi as they chat about the Chamber's events and programs for the month and invite Chamber members into the studio to talk about their upcoming events and businesses. Learn about your Chamber with Chamber Chat every first Tuesday at 11 a.m. Welcome back to the Legal Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are talking about evictions today. And the first step in an eviction is the notice. I think we covered the notice and the importance of the correctness of the contents of the notice and the way the notice is given. Um, probably, I would say... How it's delivered. Yes. How it's, what yes, it says given. and how it's delivered. Because people, even in million-dollar homes like an eviction I did... They're the worst because they have attorneys. Oh, they, right. don't, they don't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and they will get you on every single little detail. And right. And they can. Um, so well, they now can that we, try. Now that we've gotten past the notice part of it and they that did not get their attention, they're still not leaving. Right. They won't negotiate. They won't. They won't leave. No, they they're won't, squatters. They're I love that squatters. Word. They won't mediate. Not. That, I mean, that's going to keep them in there longer. They won't pay up. They just won't leave. Right. And, you know, this just brings to mind the, you know, the, the, the country bumpkins that live in a trailer house that won't leave. Right. And, and so then. And so what do you do next? A lawsuit. You sue them. You file an eviction suit. Exactly. Okay. And so, so this is, we're going to go over this. about that, Tony. All right. Uh, to, lawfully, to lawfully remove a tenant from your property in Texas, you must file an eviction suit in your local justice of the peace court. And if you go on the internet and if you don't know what your justice peace court is, because a mm-hmm. lot of people don't. Right. Um, I didn't even know there's so many JP courts and they spring up, not all the time, but, you know, I've lived here for a while and I didn't even know where our, our property was for a long time. Uh, and you can actually go to any JP court in Montgomery County and it gives you a place for the address and it'll tell you when you type it in there where your JP court is, where you file, who your councilman is, who your congressman on. It tells you the JP courts have a wealth of information. Go in there and put your address in and learn about who your representatives are and where you file. So you go in there and then you'll know how to file. These um, these JP courts have websites that are amazing. They have the forms you need to fill out if you don't want to hire, you know, one of these companies like Texas Evictions right. or Houston Evictions. They actually do a really good job. If you want to hire a company to do the eviction for you because you're busy, um, they don't charge a lot and they do it all the time. They're in the JP courts. Um it's fairly reasonable, and they only charge between $800 and $2,500 to do it. Um, that may be well worth it to get it done right if you only have, like, one property and don't want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. But do you learn how to do an eviction if you've got more than one property? Because the likelihood of it happening to you is high. And so you don't want to keep paying somebody over and over again for something that you're fully capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when we mediated these cases, we saw the same landlords in there all the time. Really? Like oh, that's another cat. thing. 
Landlords don't have to show up for JP court. You can have a representative for you, which is really nice if you've got a busy person that just happens to, uh, that comes to mind, husband and wife teams. Right. Um, the, the husband and wife don't have to be there. They can send their newly graduated A&M grad. Oh, Brooke. <laughs> be the representative. <laughs> yes. Anyway, eviction suits, also known as forcible entry detainers, grant you the power to legally remove unwanted tenants from your property. And that cl- includes boyfriends, girlfriends, family members, mother-in-laws, uh, that guy, that that uncle that won't leave, that's the alcoholic you feel bad for. Um, you can't just throw them out. You have to evict them. Um, but, but Tony, this is a question I think our viewers would have. So you can evict someone even though they're not paying rent and they're not on the lease. You you, you have to evict them. Yeah. Because that can be, there can be a verbal agreement for them to be there. All right. Just the written agreement, that's like a sublease. Just because you have a written agreement with your landlord, the landlord may say you can have up to five more people or whatever. And that happens a lot with boyfriend-girlfriend situations. It also happens with with married couples. And families. Yeah, families. they don't, they're like, get out of here. You know, fights happen all the time. Um, of course, it's probably, uh, we've already had the, the discussions with assaults and what have you. You do want to leave if you're, if you if it's not safe. Right. But you also don't, you don't want to show up back at your house and all your stuff be in the lawn and you're locked out. Right. That happens all the time. Sure and does. You're, you're probably headed toward divorce court. Right. And, um, and, but, but please people don't throw your spouse's stuff out, even though you're really tempted because they're having an affair. Um, it, it may not be what you think. Wait a minute, wait a minute. People can't do that? That's not a good idea? <laughs> Throwing your spouse's stuff would not be the, the would, would Jesus do that? Uh, no. Jesus was never married or no. cheated on. No, no. But Jesus did live with 12 disciples from time to time. Uh, and I would say, even though he didn't have a lease agreement, a lot of people like um, Mark's mother-in-law, uh, the, the, the book of Mark, his mother-in-law actually let them use her property for the Last Supper. I mean, it was a very temporary lease and they used it. And of course they did leave. They didn't need to be evicted or anything. But just because he wasn't married, they didn't live there. If they had stayed over, let's say some of the disciples decided to hang out. Mark's mom was like, mother-in-law was like, hey guys, I know you're upset and all, but it's been a month and I've got to use this for a different facility, whatever the case may be. She would have to have gone through, if it was in Texas, an eviction process to get rid of the disciples. Well, she didn't have to because they used, you know, God told them to go spread the good news and he rose from the dead and all that stuff. But if that had happened, she could have used that, okay, that provision. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, and Texas landlords cannot lawfully remove a tenant from their properties without due permission from the court. Due process is huge in Texas and the United States. So due process. Now, in Texas- That's the lawsuit. Yes, this is lawsuit. So in Texas, you can evict a tenant for actions that constitute a breach of contract. That is, we're going to put in great big quotes, not paying your rent. Um, this includes non-payment of rent, late fees, return check fees, money owed, anything. It doesn't have to be all of the rent. If you have a late return check fee, that's not payment of your rent because contractually you owed it. Money owed on the property are agreed upon utilities provided by the landlord are damages in your property. Another reason to file an eviction suit in Texas is when a tenant attempts to claim the property you got to get rid of them if they're going to start squatting and saying it's theirs. Right. Um, in order to file an eviction suit, you must have previously created and delivered an eviction notice to the tenant you wish to evict that we just discussed in the previous segment. Right. The notice should state the reasons you are evicting your tenant. Very important. So when you get to court, you don't have to say they didn't know. Now, what should be um, what should be a Texas eviction notice? If you're filing notice, we already kind of went over all that. But um, um, eviction cases may only be combined. Well. I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit. Um, if Usually you're trying to get them out and they also owe you past due rent. And that's important because if the rent exceeds $10,000, you cannot get that rent back through a suit in the JP court because they're only limited to $10,000 and under. So you're going to have to file a separate suit for those damages in district or county court to get the rent back. Right. But you got to get them out. And by the way, even we may not have time to get over the appeals part of it, but if your deadbeat tenant is in there and they appeal the eviction that you just won. That's they right. can actually get by with not even paying the the two months rent that's due for the bond by saying, we're a pauper. Obviously, we can't pay our rent, but they still owe the rent. They still owe the rent, they but they've got 60 days after that appeal process. Once they file an appeal, they have 60 days to get out. Right. Yes. Um, and so that's why the appeal process are really fast. They, they You've got to follow to a T, or they do, uh, and usually the people that are being evicted have been evicted before, so they know this process. So landlords, don't think that your somewhat uneducated tenant 
or you believe they're uneducated, doesn't know what they're doing. They usually know way more about this than you. That's why they're tenants and not landowners. Um, okay, so eviction cases may only be combined with certain other claims and may seek monetary damages only within the court's jurisdiction. But simply, if you combine your eviction case with the wrong kind of or amount of claims, your case may be dismissed and you may have to refile in the proper court. So the bottom line is, if you're filing an eviction case, make it sure that you're evicting them in the suit and you're only going for money damages that are below $10,000. Right. Okay. Otherwise, your suit may get evicted because you have too many claims within the JP court and it's not within their jurisdiction. All right. Okay, Tony, we've only got about five more minutes. Um, so we do we want to talk about removal of the property or uh, maybe from the, we, we've really been talking about it from the landlord's perspective. What about the tenant's perspective? I know that Dick has a situation here with his uh, fiance, and I think he's got a really good question. So do you want to move on to yeah, that? I want to hear it from Dick. Dick yeah. Tell us about the problem. This You will be like our listener question for the day. Yes. Uh, the issue was my fiance uh, informed me that she found a rat in her house, inside the house, uh, in her kitchen one night. And oh. she's the type of person who's mortally afraid of rats. <laughs> so she immediately left. I got a phone call at 2 a.m. <laughs> and so she's been out of the, at the gas station. Yeah, she's Come been out of the me. house since then. And oh, basically, wow. the issue she's running into with her landlord is. One, solving the problem, and two, figuring out how long the problem will be there because she will she will refuse to be there as long as there's, like, a potential of a mouse or a okay. rat. And so one of her arguments with the landlord has been, you know, when, give me a timeline, mm-hmm. and if it's longer than a couple days, then, like— Okay, so but, I have a few questions for you okay. for, on behalf of your uh, girlfriend, fiancé, a significant other. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, is she? Does she live in an apartment or house? It's a duplex. Okay, and uh, you said that she's lived there about two, two years. years. Yes. Okay, and uh, she has a written lease agreement. Correct? Yes. Okay, and uh, there were no rats for the past, uh, I guess, two years that she's lived there. Well, the the main issue that she ran into after she realized her mom immediately hired a person to go check out the house mm-hmm. because she wasn't getting any, any immediate response. Mm-hmm from the landlord and the man went out and inspected it found 30 holes oh. around the duplex took oh. pictures okay and he went up in the attic and found uh you know basically like the black oil and mm. like mm. you know there wasn't there, he said there wasn't an infestation but there's definitely movement in the house okay well, that's very scary i don't that's that sounds like um like a bad a horror movie, movie. yeah that, so, you know, rats coming in and that's where the biggest dis- dispute came because luckily for her she had a person like me where she could stay with mm-hmm. but you know i'll go can you imagine for example her roommate she doesn't have anybody oh gosh so you take the roommate well, into I meant, Reese company i meant more of she was basically asking, can you pay for a hotel room to get this until yes. this gets fixed? Right. Because this isn't something that you just go and lay traps out and like, let's pray for the best. Right. Because that's what she was trying to do. Right. She, uh, The landlord actually sent over somebody, say, we'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. He's going to lay traps out. Well, it turns out to be the guy who repairs everything else in the house. Mm-hmm. It's like the an handyman. uncle. Not, it's like not uncle of an orcan. Oh uh, no, it wasn't an official official pest control person. Okay, and that's what really worried. Okay, so here's my fiance. What, these are the legal questions that okay. need to be answered before we know what direction to go with it. Um, in the lease agreement, uh, it would show you're telling me that she probably didn't have rats before, so it is likely that her lease agreement says that the landlord is going to take care of any infestation issues. But he's going to say she caused it. She's going to say no, I didn't. The other guy did. So we have to find out who, what the causation was. Okay. Regardless of what the causation was, if whether it was her or the guy next door, um, it, when they determine that it wasn't her, she's not going to be liable for that. Um, he should be liable for any costs that she, any liability, anything that she was subjected to, any damages, uh, if that's for her and a roommate, for where they had to live, while it was being fixed, everything. Yeah, like a hotel He room. would have to fix that right. because it's uninhabitable when you've got rodents in the house. Yes. If it's uninhabitable, she can breach the lease depending on what the terms say. But um, it does, if she's got rats in there, it's uninhabitable. Uh, so the first thing that he's going to say, though, as a landlord, is that you caused this. So she needs to prove that she didn't. And, and, but before anything happens, she shouldn't be living there with rats. 
Right. So she has to move out. Then they have to figure out where it came from and whose liability goes to. If it's, it's generally going to be the lease, the landlord has to take care of it. And he should be paying for the damages. So if I were him, I'd be immediately taking care of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I hope it works out for her. And then it was just kind of, it was funny because uh, the issue wasn't being resolved. It was more of disputing. Right. Finger and pointing. I, and it's more of like, hey, we, and I, and I kind of got involved. I, was like, I just go, hey, look, there is a rat. Let's just mm-hmm. take care of that. And then <laughs> Never, because we'll, you're not pest control. Yeah, like if we're going to take care of it, let's take care of it. And then we'll, we'll talk about whose fault it was yeah. or anything. Because currently right now, she's refusing to go home. Yeah, it's uninhabitable if she's got a rat infestation. No so, question about but, that. But you said her, her roommate lives there, is continuing to stay there? Or her roommate works abroad and she's oh, returning. That's, oh, And okay. so she's like, hey, oh. by the time I get home, y'all will just be solved because she's coming back this weekend. Oh, and again, this isn't thickens. this isn't yeah. something that it's fixed. Well, that would with be one brush brushstroke. It's like, hey, it's uninhabitable. The roommate should not be living with rat infestation. Depending on how bad it is, if it's one rat, that's a different story. So it's all you know in, in degrees. But um, uh, the landlord's supposed to be doing his thing. And okay, well, this is interesting, Dick. Let us know how that goes. We, you know, we we're here to help. We're here to help you. We're here to help our listeners. If you're dealing with a rent situation, a lease situation, an eviction situation, reach out to us at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. You can listen to us live or you can listen to us tomorrow. Download our podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Should be available by tomorrow morning. We'll be back next week from 12 to 1 on 104.5 or 106.1 Conroe's FM. And remember, go forward and serve God by serving others. That's right. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network. Either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.